Gymquisition instead of podquisition because that happened and I can't fix it now. I wash my hands of the whole situation like Pontius Pilate, which is fitting in this December month. Um, you'd think that the, the death of Jesus wouldn't be seasonal, but judging by the gigantic crucifixes outside everybody's houses here in Mississippi, uh, it seems they've got Christmas and Easter confused. But anyway, that's besides the point because I'm here joined by Laura Kate. Hello! Hello, I'm here shoving my face with cake. I'm eating an entire cake because that's what game journalists do when they've got, you know, work to do from home. Fuck yeah, I'm eating cake today. That's the way it's done. That's the only professional way to conduct yourself is with vast quantities of cake. We were actually saying before we were recording that, uh, you know, I've been long-term unemployed before. I've been long-term self-employed before. Uh, There's no difference between the lifestyles of both other than a slightly higher quality of chocolate cake. Exactly. I was able to buy Tesco's deluxe chocolate fudge cake rather than the basics one. I think it's worth it in the end. You're going to get better results out of me if I'm shoving my face with high-class cake. I think so. Game of fuel, if you will. And I'm also joined, as always, by Gavin. Hello. Hello. Mr. Miracle of Sound. <laughs> How are you, sir? I'm, I'm, I'm good. A little, little bit work-stressed today, but we, <laughs> we'll get over it. <laughs> A bit work stuff. You're putting, you're getting your your next album together now, aren't you? Yes. Five. Yes, at the mastering stage today, and and mastering twenty nine songs by yourself is quite quite a a task, I must say. I think I over underestimated how long it was going to take. Because you're you're like a kind of pop star, right, Gavin? <laughs> kind of. <laughs> I suppose if by that you mean I'm a rock star, which I suppose is kind of a pop star, yeah. <laughs> One of those rock and pop stars. <laughs> I'm pretty sure if you look up rock star in the dictionary, you get a picture of Gavin, and it may also say underneath it, this is not what a rock star is, but I'm pretty sure Gavin's picture comes in there somewhere with rock star. Right? Because I was thinking, Gav, yeah. right? Because because you're kind of a rock and pop star, Duh. right? Teen heartthrob, miracle of sound, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I've been working on a song that I thought I'd pitch to you. Oh that, yeah, <laughs> that you could listen to, yeah, because you do video game themed songs. I love, I love how Jim's doing this on the on the podcast. So if I say no, everyone can uh, then nag me to say yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's there's nothing cynical about this. It's, you know, <laughs> this is the only medium through which we have ever spoken. So, <laughs> so I thought I'd do it now. Strike while the iron is hot. But I've written a song about Dragon Age Inquisition. Oh yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Um, so it goes like this, right? Dragon Age Inquisition. Oh. You can put that in one of your rock albums if you want. You know, I'm actually kind of pissed off. I released the Dragon Age song now without putting that in it. If if only I had known you would you would come up with this. <laughs> well, you've not put out an Amiibo song yet, have you? Uh, no. And and if I do, it will absolutely be called "Piss Out My Ass." <laughs> Well, you see, I have a song to pitch to you, and it's a song about about amiibos, obviously, because they're hot in the news this week. So, let's get this ready to go. Get my vocal cords ready. Oh god, this is going to be great. Amiibos, pissing out the ass. Can't buy them anymore. Amiibos. 
You can put that in one of your rock albums if you want, Gav. You gotta gotta go full death metal vocal on that one, like, Bits out my arse! (laughs) A meatball! (laughs) Murder your kids for one! Rest in peace, headphones users listening to the uh, podcast. (laughs) Well, we're in the middle of a Mebogeddon. That's the problem. (laughs) Jonathan Holmes at Destructoid coined this. This is possibly the greatest national crisis since sliced bread. You thought the the depression at the tail end of 2008 was bad. Worldwide, economy tanking. They ain't got fucking shit on this. Amiibos are in shortage. We're in a deficit of Amiibo. You thought the Black Friday was bad with all those people beating each other up in the UK for TVs. Think what the UK is going to be like when Amiibo shortages hit the mainstream. <laughs> That's it. I mean, and you... You could trip over and fall into a television. There's an abundance of televisions and people were still slitting throats and firebombing schools on Black Friday. This is going to be like just just black forever. This is the apocalypse. bow. <laughs> I actually remember when, um, this was quite a long time ago, but when there was a Tamagotchi shortage in our town, it was kind of like Black Friday in the toy shops at Christmas. Yeah. Do you remember those? I remember Tamagotchi, yeah. absolutely. Everyone I had a knockoff them. brand one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I had a Pikachu one. I had a Pikachu one, it was the best. They did I had Pokemon that one as well ones? at one point. It was it was a pedometer as well, right? Yes, and it connected I think you could send things to your Game Boy game through the little IR thing on the Game Boy mm-hmm. Color. Something like that. Yeah, and it was a big yellow one and I used to put it on my uh, belt loop. Because it was a pedometer as well, and yeah. you'd walk, and you could use the walkie things, I think, to, to do stuff. And then, of course, they adapted that for the 3DS eventually. Now, see, I, I have a theory about these amiibo shortages. Mm-hmm. don't know if you're all going to agree with me on this, but mm. you notice that one of the amiibos that is definitely not in a shortage is Kirby. And there are, there are amiibos that aren't Kirby that are going into shortages. My theory here, uh-huh. and uh, hear me out on this... Mm-hmm. Kirby amiibos are devouring the other amiibos. They're eating the other amiibo. I know, yeah. they're, they're starting with the Wii Fit trainers because, you know, the Wii Fit trainer's quite, like, you know, well-toned. It's a very, very good meal to start like off snack. with. A very healthy snack. Uh-huh. Um, villages are a good place to start because they live on a diet of primarily fruit, so it's, like, again, a very healthy option to go with. Mm. I think this is where all the, the, these amiibos are going, and we're going to, like, it. get with slightly unhealthier options as we go, but... Eventually, it will just be Kirby's. Mario, of course, uh, Italian food, pasta, very fattening. Um, yeah. High in and, calorie content, saving that for last. And obviously, like, Kirby's not going to eat the Link Amiibos because they're pissing out the arse. Well, yeah, yeah. No one wants to eat something pissing out the arse. Not at all. I mean, arse piss is, uh, uh, well, we, we described this last week. Uh, that's something more for the Call of Duty player, uh, for the Monster Energy crowd. Than uh, the Nintendo, um, I, th- I really think you're onto something. Well, I, I'm just not sure how we fix this problem. How do we stop Kirby from just devouring all the amiibos and creating the amoeba apocalypse? Strongly worded letter writing campaign to yeah. Nintendo or to Kirby? Both, either, all of them, and Sony. You why could, not? You could organise an internet <laughs> boycott because those are um, historically very, very effective. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hashtag Kirby, please stop eating all the other amiibos. You're making them slightly more expensive. Absolutely. I, I think really hashtivism is the only way we're going to solve this. Uh, we'll have a, a social media campaign 
Uh, I'll get onto the Colbert Report and ask him to to give us a little bit of spotlight. Uh, this kind of can't continue. Uh, I'm worried because I, I have a Kirby Emmy Bob, and it's on the shelf with all the other ones, including a Wii Fit Trainer and a Villager. Uh, I've actually kept them separate because I feel like if I keep, so long as I keep them apart, he won't move on to the other ones. Well, exactly. He'll just be waiting around, like, hmm. As soon as I find where Jim's put those three special, you know, the trifecta of golden amiibos, then I can start eating. Absolutely. I can't start eating till I know where my appetizer is. But this is a, 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 a something of a, of a heavy discussion topic lately. This amiibo thing. Some people are furious at Nintendo because there's obviously all this talk that they're discontinuing certain ones after the first run. Uh, and people saying that Amiibo's going to fail because of this, or they're done with Nintendo. I've seen that more than once, several people. I'm done with Nintendo. This is too far. What I want to know is, if, if Kirby did drink Link's ass piss, would he then <laughs> ass piss, or would he vomit it back up? That's a very... That, I mean, considering what normally happens with Kirby physically when he consumes something, I am assuming he will just turn into a big ass. I mean, I'm presuming Kirby doesn't have a... I, I, he doesn't have a gag reflex, I presume. In, 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 in a past life, he was a... In a past life, he was a scat star due to this lack of a gag reflex. Nintendo official facts here. <laughs> you can write that on your Wikipedias. Yeah, um... Or collect it. We're actually going to be releasing a series of Nintendo fun fact cards uh, in the near future. We've got Wizards of the Coast uh, publishing them. Um, send us a stamped addressed envelope and we will send you back several collector's edition Nintendo fact cards including uh, uh, Link pisses out of his ass uh, an estimated quantity of two tonnage a day and Kirby uh, has a no gag reflex Kirby's magic scat adventure (laughs) (laughs) Star Star Fox was first released in 1487 and it was a game primarily played by hurling feces at each other Bet you didn't know that official Nintendo fact. At E3 2003, Reggie Fee's and me pulled down his trousers and sat on a Heinz ketchup bottle and managed to get it up to the hilt. <laughs> Everyone was very impressed. Speaking of Reggie, um, the sexual chemistry between him and Jeff Keighley is always amazing. <laughs> there is some magnetism there. They um, are. It, it's like... It's like Reggie always pretends he's annoyed with Jeff over things Jeff said, and Jeff kind of calms him down, and it's always brilliant. <laughs> well, yeah, um, that's obviously in reference to the Game Awards that happened this past week. Um, what did we think of the Game Awards? I liked um, it. I think that I, I learned one very important fact from the Game Awards, which is that Nintendo invented horse technology. Um, the reason why horses <laughs> oh, yes. don't run into trees. <laughs> yeah. The reason that, that horses don't run into trees is because Nintendo invented a pona and a pona doesn't run into trees, therefore yeah. horses don't do it. To be fair, that is something that should be in more games. Well, this is another famous fact, because, again, before Ocarina of Time, um, horses did run into trees regularly. Uh, it was actually, a, there was an old saying, like, moths to a flame. Um, before Ocarina of Time, the saying was, like, a horse's face smashing into a birchwood. Uh, until they came along, and most horses now, you can actually find some in, in, in less uh, rural areas, 
uh, where the horses just haven't grown up around that culture. Uh, they still do it. They'll still they've put a introduce a piece of wood near them and they'll smack headfirst into it. But in more ruralized areas where this has become common, there's a thing called the Epona GPS chip, which Nintendo developed uh, in uh, the tail end of '98, uh, which is installed in the horse's tail ta- tail end. I see what you did there. Yeah, and then I changed it. Tail end. Uh, I'll just go back to it. Um, <laughs> that actually navigates horses uh, against their own power and, and kind of steers them away from tree. I, I'll be honest. I don't know where I'm going with that. Uh, I was hoping I'd go somewhere funny towards the end, but now I'm abandoning ship. It's fine. I was going to just go with the fact that this is how you get thoroughbred horses, is that, you know, the horse breeders will just take an ocarina of time cartridge and just put it in the corner of the paddock and, you know, the horses will be born and be like, oh, ocarina of time. I instinctively, through the power of Nintendo, know that this is teaching me not to run into trees like a fucking idiot. Well, I mean, if you ever see, if you ever see three foals gathered around an N64, now you know what they're doing. <laughs> I mean, that, it's, it's, it's a question many kids have when they grow up and visit a farm on a school field trip or something. Now you know. So we're very educational. Here. If it was a Skyrim horse, it would just run up the tree and over it in an amazing feat of defying gravity. We try not to talk about Skyrim horses. That was very, very embarrassing for the whole equestrian industry when they just kind of walked over the paddock up and over and ran away. And they're very fast as well. Never saw them again. My Skyrim horse really was a pain in the ass. Really just kept kept getting into fights. The problem with Skyrim horses is that Skyrim is revealing hidden truths about horses that we as humans were not ever supposed to know. The fact that they can run up a tree. The horse Illuminati wanted to keep that a closely guarded secret and unfortunately Skyrim has ruined so much of that process Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. well I mean it was the same with the whole Red Dead Redemption thing where they leaked the existence of a half horse half woman hybrid Um, again like the video game industry is often seen by those in the know uh, as the whole horse industry's greatest enemy because they keep leaking all these horse facts this opponent thing um at the Game Awards this past week, is, is only the latest in a long line of, of thinly veiled uh, attacks on anything to do with horses. I think it's, 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 it's Ladder Goat. Ladder Goat organised the entire thing. Well, Ladder Goat is a piece of shit. Anyway, the Game, the game Awards. Things I, happened there. Do we yeah. have opinions? I like them. I thought, uh, did, did Jeff Keighley organise those himself? Was that like his kind of um, labour of love project? Or Okay. I believe he funded them, yeah. Yeah, out of pocket, yeah. yeah. He, uh, I guess Spike didn't want to do it anymore. I liked it more than the thing last year, whatever that was again. Oh, the Joel McHale yeah, thing. Yeah, that, that was mm-hmm. a bit of a car crash. But I thought, I thought this was pretty good. I thought it was... The fact it was 95% commercials uh, shows that it still hasn't changed a lot from the, the Spike VGAs. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had to laugh when, when they... Like every time Jeff said we'll be right back after these, and then went to a commercial break, I'm like, why are you? Why are you acting like that's a commercial break when you've just got done doing a commercial? As like the whole thing was a commercial break interrupted by awards, uh, so that was a little odd. And advertising a Far Cry Four season pass halfway through made me laugh my fucking head off. Um, as 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 I laughed when Ubisoft um, uh, Montpellier got two awards just more or less thrown at them off stage as if Jeff Keighley had a gigantic fucking dumpster just full of trophies and he's like, I can't get rid of these fast enough. Like he's some fruit seller at Soho Market or something. 
I wouldn't have minded all the trailers if they didn't keep calling them world exclusives. <laughs> oh, I got so sick of that <laughs> world premiere. Here's the world premiere of a game you've already bought and played. <laughs> I was just excited to see Nintendo win some stuff because it's been a long time since Nintendo has actually been told, yeah, you make good stuff. They, I mean, they own the whole show. Like, well, didn't, didn't they get, what was it, Developer of the Year? Yep, they got Developer of the Year well, off stage. Oh, off stage, of course. Oh, in, in, in Jeff Keighley's little side cabinet where he was hosting half the show. Um, but Nintendo, I think... Nintendo having uh, stuff to show at the same time as the rest of the game industry, rather than its own press conference, really highlights the difference between Nintendo and the rest of the industry more than anything else. Like You see Nintendo do its own E3 show, it's its own self-contained contextual thing, you get it, it's cool, blah, 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 blah. But seeing them alongside EA showing off Battlefield Hardline, alongside uh, uh, the Shadow of Mordor stuff, it's like, there's the difference right there, because we have all these fucking CGI trailers, all this world premiere bullshit, and then it cuts to two old Japanese men in a room somewhere, playing The Legend of Zelda quietly, and just letting the game speak for itself. It's one of those things that, like, I looked at it and thought, Nintendo always says they don't want to directly compete with any other company, but if they did want to, they, yeah, they could do it. Because all it takes is five minutes of, hey, you know that game you weren't expecting to see until June? Here's, like, ten minutes of it just being played for you and being explained quietly and calmly. And the internet loses its mind. They let the game speak for themselves. This was the major difference between them and all of the pre-rendered trailer hype laid on bullshit uh, of this year's E3 because uh, we you know we had all of that all the all of the bullshots all of the CGI trailers all of the lies essentially let's not let's not beat around the bush they were lies from liars uh, and Nintendo had just days of that Nintendo Treehouse live streaming just gameplay hours of gameplay none of E3 was a lie particularly none of the stuff about Battlefield Hardline because at E3, Battlefield Hardline didn't exist yet, and we've now heard that it still doesn't exist because it's been delayed till 2015, so E3 was very accurate. That game that didn't exist yet still doesn't exist. I feel bad for the people working on that game because never in history has there been worse timing mm-hmm. to release a cop simulator game. <laughs> yeah, I mean... It e- just, it just They must be going, oh God. It's like some people are angry at them for for some of the stuff. I'm not angry, but you can't help but feel a little awkward. Like when they did that bit at the at the at the Game Awards where they had that band I've never heard of on stage with their little twangy song. It's good to be a cop all the time, and images in the background of policemen with guns just looking cool. It's like you you look at it in the wider social context, and then I. I can't help but feel that everyone at Visceral who were there were pulling on their collars going, oh, oh, oh. My entire Twitter feed that night was, why are you not playing at this? And I was like, I'm very flattered that you guys think I'm that popular. I'm not. <laughs> Progress update. I ate the entire chocolate cake so far in the first 20 minutes of the podcast. I feel fantastic. <laughs> Good job. So important progress updates for our listeners. I did not hear you. I don't it. regret a moment of it. <laughs> you you stealth ate that cake. Yeah, that was amazing. Like people hate hearing other people eating on podcasts. For, for 
for all yeah. you know, I could have been eating like this. But because I do the edits, no one will ever know. I'll just cut uh-huh. around every time I stuffed my face with food. That's genius. Meanwhile... We, we didn't hear you, so... Yeah. <laughs> oh, thanks for lying for me and, say, and you know, covering up for my edits. Meanwhile, next week when I'm here with, with a big fuck-off Keisha Lorraine, I want every juicy smack to be heard at double volume. In, directly in, I want it to feel like I'm inside people's ear cavities eating that tasty quiche. How's about this? All of the the eating sounds I've cut out of this week's podcast, I'll layer them on top of your eating sounds next week and we'll make just a cacophony of... Mm -hmm. Peach Legion. It'll be wonderful. It'll be glorious. I like it. Speaking of, isn't it always the most awkward thing when they have eating and drinking sound effects in video games? (laughs) I remember, uh, particularly in, in Metro, there's a scene where you're drinking vodka with uh with the lads and that is such a brilliant atmospheric game but then there's this one part where they're doing shots of vodka and you just hear this one vodka sample that they obviously had of someone drinking that they keep reusing like and it's just so awkward (laughs) yeah i mean anything that isn't killing in a video game they seem to struggle with uh eating and drinking and, and kissing i hate any mundane sound effect in a video game, if looped, could just sound like a character from one of the, the rare games on the N64. Just That's probably where they still get the sound effects from. I think Bethesda do good eating sounds. And they do nice looking food as well. I always remember in Skyrim, the sound of eating the food always make me actually want to eat the food. Stop acknowledging the existence of Skyrim. The horses are going to get furious at you. We have said too much. Um, you have said too much. Yeah. We've talked so much bollocks on this episode so far. Uh, Is there like any actual it. fucking news to talk about this week? <laughs> Not a lot. Uh, the Last of Us uh, are selling animations at a dollar a pop. You can pay to stab someone much more violently in the neck than you normally would. <laughs> yeah. yeah um, there's was gonna be was that violent stab in the neck not violent enough for you? Give us a dollar and you can stab him even more gratuitously. You know... I feel that might somewhat undermine the serious tone of the game a little bit. I, I completely disagree. I think that that you know that the hyper violence just really works to to contextualize the grim realities of this world that they've ended up in. I think it's a vital part of the experience that shouldn't have been sold as DLC. Mm, well, oh. I interpreted the violence in The Last of Us in that it was meant to make you feel uncomfortable. And meant to make you kind of go, oh, Jesus. And uh, apparently a lot of people obviously weren't uncomfortable with it because they there seems to be a market for more more brutality. Well, I so. think it, it ends up as the Walter White syndrome, where you get people who watch Breaking Bad and think Walter White's the good guy and that we should be cheering yeah. for him. Um, you know, you get that in all sorts of things. Um, you know, the, the kind of people that, that idolise Rorschach and, and stuff like that, when it's like, it's not strictly the point. But, yeah, so but, but then you don't help the point when you are selling Kill Animations World Premiere at 99 cents a pop. Is it like, is it like a buck for each individual animation? It or is, something? it's for each individual animation because they just couldn't fit that you know those really detailed animations on the ps3 so you know if you want to shoot someone in the face and then take a shit on their chest you're gonna have to pay a dollar for that (laughs) (laughs) you can get you can download kirby to shit on their chest and then to eat it (laughs) and then to piss it out um (laughs) 
one I like the most is is that they already had these animations apparently, and 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 the, you know the PS3 uh, was just too small to have them, uh, and and it's they they already had them. They were already going to put them in for nothing, but now it's like you know what? It would be really nice if you gave us a buck a piece for each one. Video games are art. That's the point. <laughs> that is the point of art. Like art is a complete experience when you experience it as a whole by itself. However. The art will be better if you buy the extra puzzle pieces of the art that you can stick around the side of the frame and go, oh, now I really see what the art was about. Now I stuck these bits outside of the frame. Well, what you don't know is that the Mona Lisa, the famous uh, painting with the famous smile, uh, was originally going to have several different facial expressions, such as sorrow, grief, anger, smelled a bit of an onion... Thinking about a funny thing, what happened on EastEnders last night. Uh, but, but you know, the, the frame, the canvas, was just too small. Uh, that's why, you see, France is going to be selling the rest of the world all the faces at a buck a pop. Well, there's also the painting you can have that goes to the left and to the right, where you can see that she's actually being just, just gently tickled on the elbows, and that's what's making her smile. So if you no, really want to know yeah. the, the, the inside story behind the Mona Lisa, you're just going to have to buy two extra paintings just so you can see them tickling the elbows. Oh, video Speaking goes. of Naughty Dog, um, did you guys watch the Uncharted gameplay thingy? I, I watched some of that. Was this the, the gameplay thing where he kind of fell through the universe at one point? I think he, he fell off a cliff and he fell through the universe for a second. Oh, but... really? <laughs> yeah, it's Nathan Drake. He's brooding. He climbed across some hills and stuff. He swung on a on a rope and kicked a guy and in the he face. He shot and... a lot of people. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he caught the gun before they could do anything. Kicked him in the face. Fell through reality. It's yeah. it's uncharted. The trouble is, though, is that the PS4 is just too small for all of the dudes that he could shoot. So on the PS5, when they bring out uh, Uncharted 4 Remastered. Then you can buy more dudes to shoot. You can buy an extra rope so that you don't fall through reality. Absolutely. I, I should get closer to the microphone because um, people have trouble with my audio volume. I'm just lying backwards like some sort of fat Roman emperor at the moment. Sit forward like a goddamn adult. <laughs> um, I'm too lazy to podcast properly, Jim. I expected better yes. of you. I am on a dais with... Um... These journalistic standards are, are appalling, Laura. I think, you know... Well, just I think we should get rid of Jim. I think that me and you, Gavin, we, <laughs> yeah, can, we yeah. can run this show. We don't need Jim lazing back in his chair. You know what? We, call, we can call it the, the exquisition. Some oh. people would pay to see that happen. I could, we could drum up some more Patreon supporters for all of us doing that. Um, right. <laughs> if you, if you get the Patreon goals high enough, we'll bring Jim back. You're going to have to give us like a million a week. And then higher than that, and they'll get rid of me again. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I just have an eternal war back and forth. Does Jim stay or go? Keep pushing the money up and we'll decide. I didn't see um, any of the PlayStation Experience stuff because I was playing Dungeons and Dragons uh, like like a responsible human being uh, on Saturday. Um, I heard it went over very well. People were very pleased with it. Most of it went over really well. There were two things that the internet seemed to be very upset about. Which is, first of all, these 20th anniversary PlayStation 1-looking PS4s that sold out within literally 60 seconds. They sold out their entire stock. And then they had, like, a shop pop up in England today where you could get one for £20 if you were the first 90 in line. Wow. And it was, like, £19.94, because it was 1994 when they first came out. You could buy one for £19.94 if you were one of the first 94 people in line. And- <laughs> 
and kind of cute. there was slightly like a bit of a crazy thing of people like trying to beat their way to the front of this line and that was all a bit crazy and basically people are like we want this console why won't you sell it to us and Sony are like, no, no, we only we only made 20,000 of them. That's only enough to sell for one minute. Well, they've uh, been taking advice from the same people that market Amiibo. That's the problem. Yeah. It's, if you don't make any of them, you will sell all of them. That's the logic. I'm looking at this thing. It's like just a grey PS4. Yeah, but you know what the best part of it is? You turn it on and it makes the PlayStation 1 sound. Uh, it makes that PlayStation 1 turning on sound. And therefore, it's amazing. That's definitely worth 20 and- quid. Like, I would have bought one for £20. I don't know if I'm going to pay the £8,500 that they're currently selling for on eBay. <laughs> probably not. Yeah, pro- probably. That, again, going back to the Amiibos just briefly, uh, some of the stuff being sold on <laughs> eBay at the moment is amazing. Because uh, defective Amiibo are selling for a lot of money. Um, Samus Aaron is there. Samus with two guns instead of the one gun. 25000 there was another twenty five thousand and ten dollars today. You're joking. Twenty five thousand and ten dollars for Princess Holy Peach shit. with no legs. Mm-hmm. No legs, Princess wow. Peach. Uh, the best one I saw was because that people are really taking the piss with it. Because there's one that's just an empty box with defective amiibo, invisible link, <laughs> uh, and then they want. I think they wanted a hundred grand for it or something. My favourite was defective Pikachu. Box smells a bit like mushrooms. <laughs> oh, oh, God. People will pay for broken things. So... Yeah, so if you're very good at opening boxes and resealing them without it looking like you've opened them, you could make a lot of money on eBay absolutely. right now. Just, just be careful with how much you publicise how valuable defective and broken products are because Ubisoft will sell the next Assassin's Creed <laughs> for about 50 grand. It's defective special edition... Assassin's Creed that is broken and is all of the copies, yeah, twice you, as much. You open the box and the disc's just in there on fire. But that's... The, it's the fire of London that you've got in the box. <laughs> it's it's a special <laughs> fire. Don't worry about how you're going to play it, just put it in your console and go. And if you wake up in the morning covered in buboes, don't worry about it. That, it, that disease isn't real anymore. You've got the special Black about. Death edition. Iconic. Iconic Black Death. Oh, yes. The iconic Black Death. <laughs> yeah, iconic Black Death. <laughs> oh, right. Jack's iconic rat. Oh. Do you want to know the other thing people were complaining about at the PlayStation experience? I have a feeling I know what you're going to say. and yeah. I laughed out loud. I found this hilarious, but basically Square Enix come on stage <laughs> and they've been hyping this up all day. It's the end of the first day and it's been going really well. And Square Enix come on stage and say... We are remaking Final Fantasy VII for the PlayStation 4. And everyone loses their minds because they're like, oh my god, Final Fantasy VII in HD completely remade. Ah, it's going to be the greatest thing ever. 30 seconds later, it is clarified that what they mean there is they are re-releasing the Steam port, which is completely unchanged from the PlayStation 1 edition, on the PS4. And the internet collectively lost its minds. I laughed my goddamn head off. I found that, it hilarious. Like, I mean, it, shame on Square Enix for doing that. Um, for the way they presented it, which was bullshit. Um, but it was funny. Like, it was... The timing of it was funny. I, I caught that bit uh, during the weekend. Um, I mean, here's the thing, though. One of the reasons why I'm certainly not bummed about it 
It's because everyone gets excited for a, a, a remade Final Fantasy VII, but they forget that it won't be the Square Enix of the 90s remaking it. It'll be this Square Enix, the Final Fantasy All the Bravest, uh, 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 missed the point of everything, uh, uh, makes every single one of their characters now some miserable fucking asshole. Square Enix. Like, like, I, the less, like, one of the reasons why I'm kind of, in a perverse way, glad that Final Fantasy IX uh, didn't perform as well as the other Final Fantasies of the PlayStation era is because I know that that means Square Enix is going to leave it the fuck alone. <laughs> well, there's a little bit of me that's thinking just, if we ever get a Final Fantasy VII re-release, it is going to be the one on iOS where you can spend 99 cents mm-hmm. to stop Ares dying. Well, they were already doing something like that, aren't they? They got the the biking part of Final Fantasy VII that they're putting on mobile devices. Oh, God, as is a that fucking a real thing? thing? Is I that a real thing? Wouldn't it be a very difficult game to do a HD remaster for anyway, because of the nature of the the look of the game in in the way that you've got like the 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 characters are polygons and the backgrounds were pre rendered as far as I can remember, weren't they? And mm-hmm. it was a quite a clunky. By now, it looks like. It looks quite clunky, and it's like things don't quite gel together on screen, and I wonder how they would ever do that if they did make a HD well, I th- re-release. I think, the, I think what they'd have to do, and I think what everyone thinks they want, again, because they forget who would be making it, um, is not exactly an HD redo, but a full-on... Like, like what they did with Oddworld New and Tasty, mm. where the game yeah, is, yeah, yeah. from the ground up, redone i had forgotten how maddening that game was <laughs> yeah it would oh, just rage <laughs> it would just end up being this is the same story and characters and fight system but we've had to just redo everything from square one yeah. and they won't do that because they're too busy finding a way that they can retcon final fa- um finding a way that they can retcon lightning back into the final fantasy 15 story so that they can you know get mm-hmm. back onto the quadrilogy of lightning games well, we'd, uh, that's what they do with the Final Fantasy VII remake. They get rid of Cloud, and Barrett, and Tifa, and Kate Sith, and Red Thirteen. It would just be nothing but a cabal of lightnings, uh, cosplaying <laughs> as the other characters, uh, with all of her award-winning personality. Um, oh god, so many inner monologues, it would be perfect. Uh, but yeah, they, they'd have to to do it the way that the, would be expected. It would have to have, you know, current graphics, you know, uh, full-on redone 3D graphics, all that stuff. Uh, fully voiced voice cast. Uh, given the size of the game, like, they'd either had to cut out vast swathes of it, or it would genuinely take them too long and cost too much to do from the ground up. Uh, so I see yeah. why they're not doing it. And if they ever do yeah. do it, I guarantee it won't be until it's like, they need the money. Like, that's their final mm. silver bullet. Uh, until it's then... Like, it's like... It's like why Activision are waiting to do a HD remaster of Call of Duty 4. <laughs> I guarantee you, when COD sales start to drop, Call of Duty 4 is going to get a remaster. It's the exact same thing as Nintendo, and it's the day that we see Pokemon move to either iOS or to like their home console. That's when you know it's like, oh, we need money? Fuck, we'll do the thing that everyone's been asking us to do for 15 years. Yeah, and I mean, like... I. Again, like it's one of those things where it's, it, it sucks, but I can follow their train of logic. Uh, why would Square Enix uh, 
bring out an, an HD remake. Go go to that expensive length of a a, a white engine powered or whatever engine they use now. Um, they make a different engine every time someone farts at Square Enix. Um, you know, whatever engine they're using right now powered uh, Final Fantasy VII and, and invest all that money into it when they can just re-release the PC version of Final Fantasy VII on the PS4 and make a fortune, because everyone's going to fucking buy it. Well, exactly. Like, if they did remake it, there is no way there is still enough of an audience that would make that money back on the remake of that game. Like... There is no way they can justify that against, hey, if we fart this out, we will make a million billion pound. Yeah, I mean, I, I think they could they could make money off a, a redo, absolutely. But, but not they nearly as much to. money as they could make off of the easy way. Exactly, you know, very, very low cost, huge returns. Like, there's, until, the, they can, until they stop doing that, until there's no more milk they can get out of that stone. Uh, they will keep doing it. And I don't think that well is going to run dry anytime soon. Uh, is there any other news this week, then? Um, there was uh, pa- Paul McCartney's Destiny song. <laughs> which everyone fucking hates, but I actually I listened to it. I thought it was an alright song. I thought I didn't think it was too bad. <laughs> I think the video, though, was, was really, really cheesy. Have you guys seen the video? Uh, I have not yet, no. I haven't, and I'm scared to look. It's kind of panoramas of Destiny with Paul McCartney awkwardly green-screened into it as a hologram. And for some reason, he's um, about two feet shorter than the Guardians, (laughs) so it looks like he's a holographic (laughs) hobbit. In all of the shots, nice. and poor uh, he—he's—I know Paul's old now, and I don't know if he has like arthritis or something, but he's doing these really awkward hand movements oh, wow. as he sings. But I didn't—I thought—I thought the song itself was all right. It kind of reminded me of his his eighties stuff, and it sounded kind of science fictiony. I didn't think it was too bad. In in I mean that said, stay out of my territory, Paul. <laughs> oh, the only music news I know from this week is some old man in his 90s, I'm not entirely sure who he is, did a load of death metal covers of Christmas songs. And that was quite amusing. Ah, it wasn't Christopher Lee, was it? He did a metal album before. Was it Christopher Lee? I don't know. Yeah, Christ- Christ- Sorry, it was Christopher Lee. Um, he's done an album, ah, there you go. Darkest Carols Faithful Sing, and it's his death metal covers of, <laughs> I like, of I like- Christmas songs. I kind of love that Saruman. Yeah, I love that Saruman is a metaller. That's mm-hmm. awesome. <laughs> oh, I'd love hearing him on stuff, uh, even if he is just some 90-year-old man. Fuck him. Um, yeah, so that was good. I know that the Destiny, the Dark Blue came out. I've got a code for it. I need to play it uh, at some point this week. Um, a lot of people unhappy with it. Um, a lot of people saying the story isn't very uh, substantial and the raids what? are gated in, up. In, oh, in Destiny, is it? Yeah. Well, yeah. the story in Destiny was never that strong. Yeah, well, I mean, like, like the content itself is like there's a sliver of it and the rest of it's... Apparently the lore is good, it's just unfortunately they didn't put the lore in the game. Oh yeah, you have to look it up on the internet. Is, which is a little bit of a problem. <laughs> well, they, they didn't have room for the story in the game. Because of all of the uh, other stuff, it's it's much like reviewing a game like Destiny. It's very hard to put your law inside the game when you've got a game like Destiny. Just no one's ever found a way to put law within the game universe. It's just it's a it's a very difficult thing to do. D- don't don't listen to people who say that it's easy to do because 
you know they're just early people doing it they they, they don't know what they're talking about well video games have never had stories in them ever that's yeah. that's the thing destiny was actually quite innovative by putting a, 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 a voice acting in its game a word for every dollar spent <laughs> clearly the greatest voice acting ever to be put in a game absolutely um but yes uh, one problem people have is the raids that are coming out now you can't play them unless you have the dlc so I, i've seen people complaining that actual core content is they feel like that's being gated off now until you buy Isn't- the content to be cynical for a second, isn't kind of that always what Destiny was going to be about, though? Being kind of um, an addictive time sink money gouger. Well, I mean, that's the AAA <laughs> It felt game like industry. it was designed that way when I was playing it. It felt like mm-hmm. they're just going to charge me more if I want to level up now or, or find more missions to do or... Well, I, think, I don't know. I think that was the golden egg they've like many companies were chasing with this whole desire to bring out their own MMOs. You know, they they yeah. saw them not as games, but as 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 content delivery systems. Like you're buying a hive uh, from which yeah. will spawn other opportunities to spend your money. Yeah, that's pretty much what Destiny felt like to me. Jim, it is. It is. Uh, I think it's time for an important recurring segment on this podcast. I think it's time for us to talk about how Dragon Age is kind of a good game, because you've played it now. Oh yeah, I finally got around to playing it. Yeah, um, we can once again talk about how it's a kind of good game. I'm not too far into it. A uh, couple of hours. It's hard to play it because uh, my wife is playing it, and I can't prize her off the thing. So I just kind of sit there like a starving cat, just looking at the TV going... It's a tricky one to get into at the start as well, I found. It, I mean, pretty much the one big criticism I would have of the game is it, it, it shoots so much like uh, shoots so much exposition at you at the very beginning. You're like, whoa, what's going on? What's happening? I have no idea what's happening. Yeah, like the first hour or two is, I've got to say, poorly designed. Uh, Yeah, it's very confusing. It's an explosion of content and new ideas and narrative concepts just just thrown at you. Um, Like, like it's not until you've played around with the war room for ages until you kind of figure out what's going on. And the whole hinterlands, I feel, where... uh, I was actually talking on Ask FM um, today, uh, last night about it. Uh, I feel the hinterlands stuff is really not well explained and not well structured. Uh, and, And... it's only after you've been playing for a while that you get that the Hinterlands is not this place where you go and do everything in it. Um, yeah, it's which just I, your starting area. Yeah, like once you go back and then start going to other areas and slowly unlock it and then expand the Hinterlands, then it all makes sense. But yeah. it took me a while to make I feel sense. like they could, easily, they could easily patch that for future players. Just some little subtle hint in the game that tells you... Um, that, that encourages you to leave the Hinterlands a bit earlier. Or just a big billboard that says, fuck off. Once you've yeah. been in there for an hour. Just have one NPC walk up to you and say, hey, this place we're in now, there's a lot going on here. You're probably best off taking this place in a couple of little tries. So I think a lot of players got stuck there for a long time because of the way Dragon Age 1 and 2 were structured in that in each area there weren't that many missions. So you could kind of go around 100%ing everything and it wouldn't take that yeah. long, but I think they designed this one much more like a Bethesda game, yeah. in that the missions kind of pop up everywhere as you're I mean, going it's, around. It's and... overwhelming, yeah. Like when I first yeah, played, I I actually stopped playing after half an hour because 
it yeah. was too overwhelming. I, I get like that if I see a lot of... I'm, I'm a poor micromanager, uh, and sometimes I have to step away from a thing and calm down and come back. And it was like, that's yeah. half an hour, like, I can't fucking handle this. Um, and then I had to go back, and it was only after I spoke with, with Alex and she was explaining to me, because she's way further into it than I am, um, and she actually said, no, you should go back to the war room, go do some stuff, come yeah, back. exactly. And now I've kind of got a handle on it. But I'm enjoying it. I, as someone who... I thought the first Dragon Age was good, but it didn't grab me a lot, and there was a lot I didn't like about it. Um, so far, I'm feeling none of the concerns that I had with the first one, and enjoying all of the good stuff. I think both Laura and I felt the same way, didn't we? Well, exactly. We about sort of it. felt about it like, hey, the first one we wanted to like, but there was a lot getting in the way of that, and this one seems to be the easiest one to be like, oh, this is the stuff I like about about these kind of Bioware games. I can get to that quicker, and there's less standing in the way of that. Good, thank exactly. you. Yeah, and I really like and, the character and to, as well. To be well, very shallow, mm-hmm. wow, is it pretty when you're yeah. walking oh, around yes. the hinterlands? It and, is oh very my well. Goodness. Yeah, it looks. I, I really like the um, like the the air, I forget the names of places, but the the stormy beach where you first meet Bull and everything, yeah. and the the undead area. Where, with the constant cool. rain, like the rain effects are nice, and the wet clothing on everything, yeah. like everything looking yeah. rain slicked, is gorgeous. Oh, wait, wait till you get to the elven, um, the elven forest. That area is just mind-blowingly gorgeous. <laughs> it's like all these beautiful, lush green forest and all these old elven ruins and things. It's nice. just oh, it's so gorgeous. Yeah. Uh, what characters did you build? I, I think that's an interesting discussion. So far, just a mage. I'm going to go back and play it with uh, probably a rogue next. Again, I, I went with mages. Mages are fun. I like mm. being magical because I can go off into a land of whimsy. They're a little bit OP in the Dragon yes. Age universe. You kind of always need to have a mage or two in your party. A mage is pretty much able to do whatever the hell they want. They're just like, oh yeah, we work in every scenario. Yeah, yeah. I'm kind of um, <laughs> kind of thinking I might have to try a mage because I... Again, because of playing the original Dragon Age, I played a mage in the first Dragon Age and hated it. I didn't feel like the mage was powerful enough for how physically weak it was, and I felt like I played it wrong anyway. Um, the the mage class, um, and I because I went blood mage and I hated it. Uh, but um, seeing you know, I played around with with um, oh, again, I forget his name, the the elven mage you start with, and really enjoyed using him in those moments I've used it. Solace. Solace, thank you. The Ir- the Irish word for sun. Oh. A lot of the names in it are Irish names, actually, I noticed that. Well, and in The Witcher as well, they have a lot of Irish names. Learning and education. on really cool. But I went with a warrior in the end, with a two-handed weapon warrior, and she looks like a, a pop star from the eight tiers, which I like. Um, but I like the battle master stuff. been using that, like using chains to do a scorpion and drag things across the battlefield and everything it's kind of cool um yeah so yeah it been enjoying it i like what little i've played around with of the crafting system so far um don't like the oh, i'm sure this is a common complaint people have had i don't like that the looting button and the jump are the same so yeah yeah um but but i mean that's really my thoughts on the whole thing I'm, i am enjoying it a lot you know what i thought was funny in dragon age is that like every character fancies you like, uh, you get to a certain point in the game and you, you might harmlessly flirt with them once and suddenly they want to marry you. I was like, this 
This game is like reminding me of when I used to be the front man in rock bands. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, because you're, you're, you're kind of a pop star, aren't you? Yeah. yeah. Um, it's like the Inquisitor is the ultimate rock star. <laughs> oh, that's good. I'm glad to hear because I plan on banging everything. Make sure you bang Iron Bull. That's all I'm saying. I've seen enough of that already to know that, that there's no way I'm not banging Iron Bull. There, there, you get one of the funniest scenes ever. In a video game, if you bang uh, Iron Bull. Iron Bull is my character of the year. He is yeah. just the greatest <laughs> character in anything in the last year. He's wonderful. He has a very sexy voice too, Iron Bull. Oh, it's irresistible. It's when he's talking to you, he's like, It's just you and me and nobody else here. Just us. He, and you're just like, holy shit. He has a voice that can twitch ovaries. It's, it's quite amazing. <laughs> <laughs> he just talks and they quiver. Gavin, you are going to get so many requests to do that again. What, the Iron Bull voice? The Iron Bull voice. I already had a comment on last week's one saying that you're inducing ASMR responses in people. Yeah, do you mind just doing the the rest of the podcast in just that low, slow voice? Sure, boss. No problem, boss. I I like this. God, I, I, I think you're causing ovaries to grow inside me. Um, that's mm. you know the funny thing is um, it's actually quite a hindrance for singing because I have such a low range I can't sing along with a lot of my favourite bands because they all have like tenor high tenor singers and I have this bass voice which often means people complain about the songs that yeah but but why would you want to be like them you've got this beautiful voice just just ignore what society <laughs> wants out of your voice and and give them what they need thanks very much boss Entire next podcast, so in, in Iron Bull voice. I would pay money for that. Yeah, and I'll, how much do I, how much every, do I need to slip across the table to, to make that happen? <laughs> it would put everyone to sleep, really. Oh, we'll all do it. I'll do it too. <laughs> this is my this is my Iron Bull voice. Low and deep Jim, you, you sound low. you sound like Sarah mocking Iron Bull. <laughs> <laughs> What's that? <laughs> it's just a scary ghost at that point. Um, I am Iron Bull. <laughs> okay. Um, Do we have any other things to discuss this week? Honestly, I don't know. I don't think so. But we gotta find something. What can we discuss? Well, there's a Mad Max trailer just came out. Everyone's raving about it on Twitter. I haven't watched it because I've been too busy podcasting to watch it, you see. Yeah, it's the same. Uh, mm, people keep posting mm, pictures mm. and screenshots from it, and I'm like, mm, I'm going to watch this when the podcast's finished. Yeah, we'll have to do that. There hasn't really been much going on this week in gaming news, has there? Not really. Well, it's kind of the end of the year, you know, most people are doing yeah. end-of-year wrap-up things. Um, oh, oh, um, Witcher 3 is delayed until May. Yes, I saw that. Um, yeah, which... Let's be fair, it's a good thing. They're taking the time to get it right. Yeah, well, I... Or they're taking the, they're taking the time to delay us finding out they've done it wrong. No, I saw the game running in Germany last year, and that was a really pretty early build, and it is mind-blowing. Well, I, it's people, gonna, all, it's, people also, it's going to blow also everyone saw, away. People also saw Aliens Colonial Marines running very early. No, we actually saw a demo, <laughs> and the guy was, was legit playing it, like... 
I mean, yeah, he was we, playing it on what looked like a, a, a fucking supercomputer. Yeah, we didn't see Colonial Marines NASA. running. We saw, well, we saw yeah. it running itself. We didn't see anyone running it. But so far, we're, yeah. I was sure we'd seen someone hold a controller and at least they pretend did. it was running. They did, but it was there was some interactivity to it, but it was largely heavily scripted. Mm. Uh, is the thing? It was it was kind of a borderline uh, interactive demo. Uh, whereas the Witcher stuff I've certainly seen is looks live and spontaneous. Not to mention the fact no, it, it, CD Projekt Red is. Yeah. is not Gearbox. CD Projekt Red yeah. is... Uh, they've demonstrated, I think, over the years enough uh, evidence that they are fully on the level that I certainly mm. trust them with this. If they're taking the time with mm. a delay... I trust they're doing it for good reasons and not to cover up some awfulness. Um, yeah, exactly. And, they are. No, yeah. no, trust me, it's going to be fucking amazing. I'm a little bit biased because I love CD Projekt, but it's going to be amazing. I hope so. I mean, I I really liked what The Witcher aimed for. I didn't like The Witcher 2 um, that much. I thought it was all right, but I felt it was badly structured. Not not a bad game, but a badly put together game. I really like the first Witcher, and I love CD Projekt Red as a company, and the things they do, and mm. their whole philosophy. Uh, and so I'm mm. really looking forward to The Witcher 3, and as I said on Twitter when the news first came out, like, in an industry now where things are just being rushed out early and then patched later, I'm more excited yeah. by the news of delays than I am by the news of release dates, because yeah. I think to myself, <laughs> exactly. like, like this game has a chance to come out and be a damn good product uh, product at launch, which is just getting rarer and rarer. Speaking of them, um, cannot wait to see more info on Cyberpunk. That also looks like it's going to be fantastic. Oh, yeah. I've been like try- nagging them so much to let me write music for that game. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, please let me write a song for that game, please. Yeah, like they, it's like right up my alley. They still just shown the all we've seen so far is still that first CGI trailer, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, interesting concept, though. I certainly hope it uh, turns out well. Oh, yeah, all the other video game thing we have to talk about. All of the new trailers and things for No Man's Sky that came out this week. And um, nobody, no, still nobody knows how. I was about works. to say, do we still know anything yeah. about the game for all of the content? We, we still, we still have no idea what the game actually is. Christ but almighty. we do know that you can zoom out from the ship so far in the engine that you go outside of the galaxy and it's like, oh, I can't see my ship anymore. I'm that far away, zoomed away on the camera. Ah, and then it turns around and zooms in somewhere else and ah, now I'm looking at a completely different galaxy and a different planet. Ah, except we don't know what we're actually doing in that game yet, just that it has a fancy camera. If there's one thing 2014 taught us, I think it's to be optimistic, but to not get too hyped about things until you have them in your hands. Absolutely. I think I think that's what 2014 certainly taught me. <laughs> Unless it's Fallout 4. Oh, I disagree. I'm going to get so hyped about No Man's Sky that I can only possibly be disappointed. Like if No Man's Sky, <laughs> if No Man's Sky does not have like a million billion trillion planets in it, all of which that have their own Skyrim style huge adventure unique to that planet that I can go and go and play an entire RPG that's unique to that world. I'm going to be disappointed. Zero out of ten worst game of forever. Personally, I'm going to be furious <laughs> if I can't buy uh, individual execution animations for 99 cents a pop. I, I want to be able to just buy the Death Star and point it at planets that people have discovered and be like, oh, you know that planet that's like the one planet that you discovered before anyone else? I blew it up. I want to be able to blow up Alderaan. I want there to be a planet of elves that piss out of their asses. 
I want to blow that planet up. And then no one will know that you discovered the arse, the arse elf piss planet. <laughs> and it becomes the big conspiracy of the galaxy. Yeah, exactly. It's like, did you hear there was a planet of arse piss elves? That was never a thing. It was blown up. Nobody blew it up. You never heard of this it. This is not the pl- this is not the planet you discovered. The conspiracy. Why, el- why are elves always getting like oppressed? Like, <laughs> elves, elves are the Irish. Uh, this is why all the uh, elven names are Irish. They just in every game they're like oppressed and in slums and doing shit jobs, and everyone like treats them like crap. Elves are pushovers. <laughs> would you would you imagine Iron Bull being a pushover? No, because he's not an elf. Well, el- no. elves allow video games to explore racism without having the spine to actually talk about racism. That's the point of it. That's true. Actually, um, speaking of, um, playing Bioshock Infinite last year, it's the first time I've ever actually um, seen like the kind of the whole way that people were towards Irish people in a game, in, in any media, really, apart from maybe Gangs of New York or some of those movies. And I have to say, it was really like... It really got you right in the gut uh, when you like looked into those things, and you know they had the little film about the Irish and the way they're always drunk and they don't do any work and stuff. And I was like, whoa! It actually was quite the gut punch. It's like, did, holy did shit! Did you did you throw the baseball at the Irish person and the black lady? Did you did you did you harass no. them? No, <gasps> no, of course but, not. But you you didn't do the thing the video games do. You didn't do the clearly racist thing that the game clearly wanted you to do. You know, I've played like five or six hundred hours of Fallout 3 and I've never nuked Megaton. I did on my last run. I feel too, I feel too guilty doing on stuff like that. On my last run, because I, I tried to play an evil character throughout, and even as an evil character, yeah. what finally you finally watching bit. Megaton go up like that, like, I, I, it really is an oh shit moment. It's that moral event horizon moment yeah. where it's like, you know what? Maybe I went too far. You know what? You know what? I love the way they troll you at that because um, everyone's dead except, except Moira, Moira, yeah. who survives. Well, for yeah. me, every time, like I've done it, and then that's the catalyst for my horrible character to start becoming a good character. Is I'm a horrible character who does that, and then it's like, oh shit, I I fucked up. <laughs> I need to I need to do some serious like altruism across the universe now to make up for what I just did. I'll just keep giving bottles of water to that homeless no, guy until I feel better about it. Yeah, you're going to need a lot of bottles of water. I will find enough <laughs> bottles of water. I will, I will un-nuke that city through water bottles. <laughs> you just grow a new one. What else gives you good karma? Oh, rescuing the uh, super mutant captives. That mm-hmm. gives you good karma as well, so you could rescue yeah, all of that, them. Yeah, but that would actually be too much but like no, doing you, something you, good. You nuked, you nuked an entire city. You killed children. There's no no, no recovering from that. For every ten children I killed, I will give one bottle of water to a homeless person, and everything will be fine. It's the classic morality currency. It's, it's, it's widely accepted. Um, you know, I never, I never understood the people who always wanted mods that let you kill children in games. But then I discovered Little Lamplight. <laughs> oh my! I will say, God. I mean, I, it's, it is weird that people want it, but that Little Lamplight does make a good case. Yeah. Mayor McCready, like fuck that guy so much. <laughs> I want to kill him. He's the the. I always think someone in 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 the writers in Bethesda must have like real spoiled little shits as kids because like all the children in Bethesda games are precocious, annoying little mm-hmm. brats. Like that one in. Uh, 
in the Jarl's castle. Oh, you're here to lick my father's boots, are you? So what is your problem, <laughs> see, kid? All of those children would be fine if it wasn't for the fact that, that Kirby ate all of their amiibos. And that's why they're like, well, without these amiibos, we've got nothing to live for. So we might as well be precocious little shits to everyone. Because life's not worth living if you don't have a complete set of Wave 1 amiibos. Well, that's why Fallout is the way it is. Because the amiibo get it's it all comes full circle. Yeah. That's what causes it. That's what started yeah. the the war. Um, <laughs> and, and Moira's sitting on a ton, a ton of the math ones. Uh, and I think that does it. I think that does it. We hit an hour. Yeah, I think that's about it. <laughs> that's good. Um, thank everybody. We did pretty good for a no news week. Yeah, we 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 endeavoured. <laughs> We, 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 took, we took absolutely nothing and spun some bullshit out of it until we filled an hour. Yeah, that's really all you can ask for in a podcast. Um, but, Laura, why don't you tell the lovely children what it is that you also do and that they can see you and support you doing? You can support me by finding me on Twitter at Laura K Buzz, which is where I will go on and on and on and on and on and on and on about all of the fucking shit I do. So you can go listen to the Indie Haven podcast, Oh No Video Games, the Category Video Games podcast, the Geek Night In, Laura's Gaming Butts, all the other fucking podcasts I do. You can find me on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Laura K Buzz. That's where you fund me being a bit of a weirdo that writes about games. So there you go. There's my rambling bit of press for myself. That's how you PR. That is how you PR good. <laughs> that is how you PR, Jim. That's how you do it. Gavin, how do you PR? Press X to PR. Uh, well, you can follow me as well on Twitter at Miracle of Sound. And you can hear all about how I'm doing with the new album, which is hopefully coming out this week. I really hope I get it done this week. I'm currently mastering it and it's crushing my will to live because mastering 29 songs by yourself is quite a monumental task. <laughs> God, I, I hate working with a little bit of audio. I, I do. I do four people's jobs with Miracle of Sound. <laughs> um, but yeah. But uh, yeah, buy, buy my album. Check that boss. stuff out. <laughs> and um, I'm, you, you know the shit I do. For, for every hundred albums I sell this Christmas, I will do another line on the podcast in the Iron Bull voice. That's the, that's the deal. That, people <laughs> are going to hold you to that. I've learned in years of podcasting, even as a joke, if you say something, they'll hold you to it. So I would practice yeah. that Iron Bull voice. That is the entire reason the Laura's Gaming Butts podcast exists, is because I made a joke and the internet held me to it. Yeah, be careful. <laughs> um, but yes, you can check out my reviews and shite at thegymquisition.com uh, and my YouTube channel slash Jim Sterling, my Patreon, which obviously funds this and, and uh, the Jimquisition and, and all the other stuff, is Patreon slash um, Jimquisition. And I'm on Twitter, Jim Sterling, just all one word, that's all good. Uh, so until next time, thank you all for being here, for being with us, and hope you enjoyed it, and we'll see you next week. Bye. 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 <laughs>